is being due. It's the third win against the top ten, and the Orange had them all the way. They didn't look into your heart. They didn't look into your heart. They didn't look into my heart. Three for the win battle. Bang! Boom! As the Orange do it again, the cardiac juice comes through on the road one more time. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us alongside Seth Goldberg. I'm Stephen Fonte. It's a Tuesday edition of Orange Nation. We're brought to you in part by Duntire. 315-437-7644. If you'd like to get involved, busy show lined up for you today. We will visit with Alan Griffin at 1215, as we do at 1215 every Tuesday. Dan Duggan from the Newark Star-Ledger and NJ.com will join us at 1245 to talk New York Giants football. Big Blue has a new head coach. We'll get to that in a moment. And Mike McAllister, our good friend from CuseNation.com, will be on with us at some point in hour number two uh, to talk some SU football and basketball recruiting, Seth. And last night we learned that for the second time in the last week or so, Syracuse football is getting a transfer from a major Division One college program. Last week, it was Tristan Jackson, a wide receiver out of Michigan State. Last night, Abdul Adams, a running back from Oklahoma, yeah. is coming to Syracuse, will theoretically sit out next year and then be eligible in 2019, but... Again, there's a chance with the NCAA and these rules, and, and they're thinking about allowing transfers to be eligible right away if they have a certain GPA. Still no official word on that. I guess there's a small chance he'll be eligible in 2018, but certainly in 2019. Yeah, and look, he he's a four-star recruit who went to Oklahoma. And, and played, played at Oklahoma. Lot, you know, especially early in the year. Uh, you know, 164 yards against Baylor. Baylor wasn't that good, but, uh, you know, six carries in the Ohio State game, uh, 10 carries in the Texas 10 Texas Tech game, eight carries in the West Virginia game. He was getting some run. And you know what? If he comes in and he's talented, uh, you know, and, and he shows that talent, um, I would imagine he vaults towards the top of the SU uh, depth chart. And you know what? Get all the talent you can get. Make this offense go, right? He played as a true freshman at Oklahoma. That's good enough for me. Again, I've never seen him play, and a lot like that's how I look at recruiting a lot of times. And we'll bring on Mike in, in hour number two, and he can give us the lowdown about this kid. But you know, when Syracuse is recruiting someone football or basketball, generally football, because we've seen some of the basketball players play around the country. Football, I kind of look at well, who else is recruiting him? This right. kid went to Oklahoma and played as a true freshman, had fifty plus carries as a true freshman, uh, was playing a lot uh, this year. Had some issues with ball security and and maybe fell out of favor with the coaches, but he's fast. He's got a lot of talent, and he's now coming to Syracuse. And you know, you couple that with with Jackson, the wide receiver from Michigan State, joining the program last week, and Ambed Atao from a couple of years ago coming here from Maryland, and and the track record speaks for itself, right? For Dino Babers, and, and two years in a row now, he's had you know record breaking wide receivers with Irv Phillips and Steve Ishmael and Ambed Atao in year one, and. And and guys want to come play in this offense. They they want to put up these gaudy numbers. They want to get ready for the NFL. And you know, in the case of, of Adams, he he's going to come here. You said he, he's vaulted towards the top of the depth chart. Be hard to believe that he won't be at the top of the depth chart. And and he'll have two years to to show his stuff and and put himself in position to potentially play on Sunday someday. Yeah, I, I think that getting these transfers is a great thing. I don't think it's a bad thing when you're bringing more talent into your program. I really don't, and you could question what that says about the talent that is here, um, and, and I don't think that would be unfair, but I, I think that 
if you're able to bring in kids who are four-star recruits who went to other schools, who played at other schools, um, and they see that they got recruited over, you you go get them, right? You go get them, and you bring them in, and you worry about everything else after. It's the nature of college athletics, right? Yeah, and, it, and if the NCAA decides to go through with this rule... And I and I think they should. It it will make it easier for you know. You said somebody gets recruited over. Well, if if Adams gets recruited over at Oklahoma and decides to transfer to Syracuse, then maybe there's a guy at Syracuse who says, you know what? I thought I was going to play, but now they bring in this kid from Oklahoma. I want to go somewhere else, and then he's able to transfer. And I realize that it's. I was going to say it's going to start a vicious cycle. The vicious cycle already, already exists. Starts. It's right. just that these players have to sit out a year before they exactly. can go play somewhere else. So I think this is good. The, the coaches can go wherever they want. We've heard that argument for years. I think the players should be able to, to leave and go elsewhere, especially if they're in good standing academically. Leave, go elsewhere, and be able to play right away. And again, it remains to be seen whether or not Abdul Adams will, will be eligible to play this coming season. Uh, but he's coming here whenever he starts playing. He'll have two years remaining of eligibility. Obviously, the other big story, Seth, since we left the air yesterday, is in regards to your New York Giants. We, we discussed on the show, should the Giants wait two weeks to make a decision no, or they should won't. they pull the trigger? And, and we both said, you know, why not wait? If Bill Belichick might be available, Pat Shermer already knows he's option number three. Why not wait? And I guess, you know, you could say, well, you know, the Giants put out their feelers and, you know, they had their people talk to Bill's people and, and Belichick maybe isn't an option. And maybe we'll find that. Like, the season will come to an end. They'll win another Super Bowl and Belichick ends up not going anywhere. That might be how this whole thing plays out. Um, I, for the sake of your Giants, I, I hope Bill Belichick's not going anywhere. Because oh, if, he goodness, is an option, if he ends up going oh. somewhere in a month, you're going to be kicking yourselves. I, yes. Yes, they are. Um, I. But, I've had eight days now, Stephen, and look, I'm sure you've done this same exercise here, but your team hires a coach, you try and get excited about him, right? Like, you try and talk yourself into him, you try and talk yourself into, I like this hire, I don't like this hire. Uh, Usually you try and talk yourself to the positive, right? And I did that with Aaron Boone. I was like, okay, he's a little bit inexperienced, but you know what? I liked him on TV, like, I think he's a smart guy. His dad and his grandfather were both managers, both players, like, comes from a smart baseball family, like, okay, like, I'll give this guy a shot. I've had eight days I haven't been able to do that. I haven't been able to do it with Pat Shermer. I've had eight days to try and talk myself into thinking Pat Shermer's a good hire, and I haven't been able to do it. I can't figure this one out. I can't wrap my mind around it. I don't like it. I don't I don't really get it. Obviously, his second stint now as a head coach, spent two years as the head coach of the Cleveland Browns, which it doesn't give you a lot to go on because the Browns are so bad, just top to bottom as a roster, as a franchise. He was 9-23 and there as a head coach his in 2011 Col- and 2012. And, and that's why I say, you know, what can you really learn from those two years and whether or not he's a good you know, head football coach in this league? But he's known as a quarterback guru. We know that Eli Manning's time in New York is drawing to a close, whether that's now or in the foreseeable future. Pretty soon here, they're going to have a new quarterback uh, under center and, and leading the way with that franchise. So you bring in Pat Shermer, who's known as you know a quarterback guy. You are probably going to draft a quarterback, right? With the number I, two overall pick. I think you, you, you have you to. You have to. Um, I think you have to. So, is, I mean, is that why... If you're looking for reasons why this this move makes sense, is that at the top of the list? Yeah. Oh, that that's absolutely the reason, isn't it? I mean, he just won the division with Case Keenum. <laughs> you know, he just he just went and won a division playing Case Keenum for 15 games. Uh, that's why you hire that guy. That's why you bring him in. He won nine games with Brandon Whedon and Colt McCoy over two years. 
That's why you bring him in. So you look at it as a positive post for them. Yeah, went nine and twenty-three. <laughs> but Seth he looks had at Case it. Keenum he won nine games with the Cleveland Browns. He, but he had Colt McCoy and Brandon Whedon. That's like Doug Marone. He went five hundred with the you know yes. with SU and with the Bills. Like he's a good football coach. He went five hundred here. They won twenty-five games in four years. That's not great. Yeah, but they won ten in the previous four years. Uh, you know, so it, it's kind of one of those matchups, isn't it? Where like. You're like, yeah, that's awful, but given what he had, that's fantastic. And so, yeah, you've got to figure out a way to get that quarterback fixed. You've got to find your quarterback. And, like, I hope they don't go out and do something stupid, like throw a bunch of money at Case Keenum. Uh, But if it means that they're bringing in Josh Rosen, if it means that they're bringing in, you know, Baker Mayfield, if it means that they're bringing in Sam Darnold and they think that he's the guy and they've got this coach now who is all in on this guy and, and can make it work, go for it. Go for it. But... Uh, to me, it's just not a very exciting hire. We'll hear from Dan Duggan uh, coming up at, at 12.45. He covers the Giants for the New York Star-Ledger. We've had him on the show before. Um, we'll ask him this question. I, I'm just curious to get get your take on this, and, and then we've got to get to Alan Griffin. We can even get back to this, but Eli Manning, is he coming back next year? Yes. Yes, he is. Uh, the, the reports this week, uh, I think, solidified it, the reports this weekend, um, that he and Gettleman met. And Gettleman told him, like, hey, you're my guy. You're my quarterback. Can you buy it? I do. I do. I really do. Uh, he's got two years left on the contract. I know there's not really much guaranteed money. Um, but I think he will at least be back in the week one starter. Does that mean he will be the week 17 starter? I don't know. Does that mean he'll be the week 12 starter? I don't know. Because uh, I think that either way they're drafting somebody at two. But I do think that he will be there, and I think he will start week one. It's an intriguing possibility. Shermer brings one of those quarterbacks with him. You mentioned Case Keenum. Then they draft the other guy, and they play Keenum until the other guy's ready. Well, that's what they're going to do with Eli. They've just already got the guy on the roster. So no Case Keenum? I don't think so. We'll see. We'll see if he wants to bring his own guy with him. I don't know. We'll we'll uh, we'll have to see how it plays out. We'll get uh, certainly Dan's uh, thoughts on that uh, later on in hour number one. He'll join us uh, at about 12.45. We do need to take a timeout, though. Alan Griffin joins us on the other side as we'll talk some SU basketball. The Orange finally returning to action tomorrow night inside the Dome against Boston College. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. The home of Mets baseball, ESPN 97.7, 100.1, 1200 a.m. at 1440 a.m. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Stephen Seth, back with you on a Tuesday edition of Orange Nation. Always good catching up with Alan Griffin. Again, we'll have the Jerry McNamara show for you tonight, live from Tully, 7 to 8 o'clock. Stop on out. You can watch the show. You could win a signed basketball from Jerry, plus a $25 Tully's gift card. Always a good time. We'll be out there again from 7 to 8 o'clock. Virginia Tech knocking off North Carolina last night, Seth. Uh, Good win for SU's resume that Virginia Tech knocks off the Tar Heels. Uh, the Hokies now three and four in conference play. There are five teams in the ACC at three and four. There's technically a five-way tie for eighth place in the conference. Syracuse could join that group with a win tomorrow. So Syracuse could go from 13th to a, a tie for eighth place with a win tomorrow against Boston College. And then, as we know, next on the schedule is Pittsburgh, and Syracuse could be four and four. 500 right now in the conference is sixth place. Miami is three and three. Georgia Tech is three and three. That's incredible. It's sixth place. So, again, 
a lot of basketball to be played. February, we know, is really, really hard. But after eight games, you can head into February four four, in the top half. Yeah. In theory, you could head into February in the top half of your conference, and, and that would be uh, incredible. That that would be great uh, if you are Syracuse, given the way the conference schedule started, right? Because the conference schedule started pretty poorly, and you lost four in a row, and you lost two games that you shouldn't have lost, and we don't have to you know rehash everything, but given that they've got the opportunity to now bounce back, and they had this stretch here in mid to late January that you knew about, um, there's this opportunity to beat up on some bottom half of the ACC teams in Pittsburgh, Boston College, Pittsburgh again, Georgia Tech, um, and Syracuse has to take care of business, right? It's what we've been saying for 10 days. You have to take care of business in this stretch, and you have to win games. And if they can win, and they can win again you know, tomorrow, they can win again on Saturday, uh, that puts them right at 500. It, it leaves everything out in front of them, and it gives them an opportunity come February to steal a couple of good wins at home. We just talked about how difficult it is to win road games. We've seen Duke struggle on the road. Uh, we've seen UNC struggle on the road. Um, th- there's an opportunity to get some good wins here and keep your you know build up a tournament resume. I know I've been harping on the Notre Dame loss as that's the one that's going to come back to haunt them. I think Wake Forest might. Just as much. You just took the words out of my mouth. Wake Forest is one and six in the conference, eight and eleven overhaul. The one win, of course, you hate to be against that Syracuse. One. You do hate to be that one. It was a game that I mean, it was right there for the taking. Um and so it's I, fine. They'll beat Pitt. So what does that mean? That that Syracuse won't be the one. Won't be the one. Okay. <laughs> you sure they're gonna beat Pitt at Pitt? Did you watch Pitt last week? I did. Wake Forest looked better than Pittsburgh. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. I'm just saying you're sure. I don't think Pitt's beating anybody, so yeah. I think they're going over. Would you rather have would you rather go over or have the token one? Over like the token Pitt? one. Would you? Over? Would you? Why would you pick that over anything? It's not like you're putting putting yourself in line for the number one draft pick if you're over well, yeah. eighteen in the conference. Yes, you want You're not you getting would any prefer a win over zero. Absolutely. Is is that even a question? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, no, you're right. See, I was thinking of the, uh, I was thinking of like the you're down five touchdowns and you're in field goal range and you kick the field goal instead of going for it, and so instead of losing thirty five to nothing, you lose thirty five to three, and you're just like, yeah, was it worth it to kick the field goal or should we have just have gone for it? And tried like to- leaving Eric Dungy in a game when you're down by five sure. touchdowns yeah. in the third quarter and yeah. saying I thought we still had a chance right. to win. Yeah. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, I, I would take Eric Dungy out of the game. Um, yeah, that's a fair analogy. But I guess it's different because like that is one game versus your yes, season. Yes, I would want to win a game. And you're not the Browns. You're not getting a draft pick, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, no, I guess you just win the game. I, I think Pitt is is going to get something, right? I mean, they're, they're gonna they're gonna win a game. I don't think so. No, I don't think so. I'm I'm gonna look at their schedule. I'm gonna call up their schedule. See if they've got Wake at home. I mean, they've got Syracuse at home. Yeah, I know. You just said they're not going to lose. And I would agree with you. I don't think Syracuse is going to lose to, to Pitt either. Uh, Wake Forest is a home game on February 21st. That's the one. Pitt's okay. beaten Wake. Okay. On February 21st. It's fine. Bold prediction. The, Mark it down. With the Pete 20% full? Yeah. The Oakland Zoo going crazy. All 14 people in the Oakland Zoo? 
And then they'll carry that momentum with them into Virginia the next game, and then they'll lose by 25. Um, that's the one game that you'll look at Virginia and be like, that's the game they could win by 30. <laughs> like, even they can win that game 60 by 30. 60 to 30? <laughs> 55 to 25? Yes. No, that's not happening. Um, we do have Dan Duggan uh, set to join us in the next segment from the Newark Star-Ledger and NJ.com. Covers the Giants uh, for that publication. Um we talked about the the Pat Shermer hire in that first segment, Seth. And and before we get to Dan, I I just I want to get back to that for a moment because we joked about well, if Bill Belichick's available, then you wait. Assuming Bill Belichick is not available, okay. Assuming that they put out the feelers and they did their homework behind the scenes, and Bill Belichick is not going to the Giants or not going anywhere for that matter and stays with New England. Let's say he's not an option. Will wasn't going to be an option. Do you feel better about this hire, or do you just not like this hire at all on face value? No, I just don't really like the hire. Um, I, I know that you know you can get your hopes up with, uh, get your hopes up with a Bill Belichick dangling out there, maybe. Um, but no, I, I I'm I just don't like the hire. Uh, I would have preferred Matt Patricia, and the reports are that Patricia could have had the Giants' job and just kind of passed up on it and didn't want it. Um, which makes you question and wonder what this Giants job is, because I thought it was pretty attractive. You had a new GM come in who had brought a team to built a Super Bowl team, right? They they went fifteen and one. They went to the Super Bowl. Um, that was a good team in Carolina. He built that team. Uh, you've got stable ownership that usually makes the right decision and rational decisions. And you know what? They made a mistake and they hired the wrong guy two years ago. And I, I thought that given all of that, they would have been able to. You know, maybe not have their pick, but I thought that it was an attractive enough job, right? And uh, obviously it wasn't because Patricia didn't want it uh, or or picked another one over it. Josh McDaniels picked another job over it. Um, And and it's just interesting to me. I I thought that this job would have been more highly coveted than it is. Think about that for a second. And there was a a report out that that Patricia was leaning toward the Giants job and then did a 180 and and picked the Lions. Think about that for a second, that, that the Detroit Lions job to him was more attractive right. than going to coach the New York Giants. Well, and I, look, in, in some regards, I can't blame them. They were 9-7. and seven. They're, you know, they're playoff ready, right? Like that, is, that team is playoff ready, aren't they? Yeah, but we said going into last year that the, the Giants, Giants were Super Bowl contenders. Yeah, we said yeah. defensively, and, he, and, and Patricia's a defensive coach. And he comes from Bill Belichick, right. who would probably talk up the Giants' exactly. job, too. So, I mean, does, isn't that a little head-scratching? Yes. That's what makes me wonder about this whole thing. That, that's the part that confuses me. That's the part that I haven't been able to to get, is that guy, right? Like, it seemed like he was primed to take this job for so many reasons, whether it's because that defense had a lot of talent with Janoris Jenkins and Landon Collins and Damon Harrison and Olivier Vernon and Jason Pierre-Paul, and there's so much talent there. Or because he was the Bill Belichick guy, and and Belichick loves the Giants, right? Like, he he makes no bones about it. And and I think that we're going to see a lot of that next Thursday in that 30 for 30 that's coming out with Belichick and Parcells. um, That He's a New York Giant, right, at at the roots of it. Um, And and I thought that there would have been a lot of push for, for Patricia to take that job. So that surprised me when he didn't. The expectation is that, Shermer will call the plays. He will be the head coach and, you know, slash calling the plays. Does it that, worked well for the last I, I, guy. Right. And so <laughs> that's my question. Does that concern you at all, that he's going to take on both duties, head coach and essentially offensive coordinator? No, because some people can do it, 
right? Like the, there have been coaches throughout. But the, the fact history. that the last guy I couldn't know. do it does he that couldn't. concern you? Uh, no, I, no, because they're, everybody's a different person, right? Uh, and, and I think that that's kind of the the approach that you've got to take. Everybody, uh, everybody is, is different. Every coach is different. Andy Reid called play, plays for how long? You know, he, he's been pretty successful. So, no, I, I don't think that's an issue. All right, we've got Dan Duggan from the Newark Star-Ledger and NJ.com set to join us next. We're going to take another timeout. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. This is ESPN Radio. 97.7 FM Syracuse. And 100.1 FM Oswego. Our take on the day's top stories. It's today's business on Orange Nation. It's brought to you every day by Grossman St. Amour CPAs as we welcome in our producer, Max Burgandy. What do you have for us today, Max? I didn't have your mic on. Sorry. I see that, but I just saw that Nick Foles is on the cover of Sports Illustrated, which is awesome. And I also saw that the Eagles lost the Super Bowl already because the Patriots are wearing white and they're 3-0 and under Bill Belichick when they wear white. And Super Bowl teams who have wear- worn white have won the last 11 out of 12 games. Eagles are 0-2 when they wear green. Yeah, so Should that's, they wear black? That's over. But <laughs> there's a lot of stuff going on in the NBA, including something going on with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Held a fiery team meeting in practice yesterday, prior to practice, I'm sorry, during which several players traveled or challenged the legitimacy of Kevin Love's illness that forced him to leave Saturday's loss to OKC and miss Sunday's practice. Several players were pushing for management and coaching staff to hold Love accountable before leaving the arena. Apparently, the meeting was really loud and intense, only calming down once Love stood up and spoke. Cleveland's kind of in a spiral, dropping to 27-18, one game ahead of the Heat for third place in the East, and losers of six out of their last eight. If you're the Cavs, do you trade Kevin Love, and what kind of value do you think you can get for this guy? I mean, you have the draft pick that you obviously don't want to trade, but if you could well, get, I over mean, the summer over the summer, wasn't it rumored that he was a, he was worth a top five pick? Like, wasn't that the discussion? Like, send him to Phoenix for their fourth overall pick, right? And they already have Brooklyn's pick, right, from Boston, which the Celtics. I mean, own. I don't think he's worth anything less than a first rounder. Still, at this point in his career, yeah, yeah. I think that look, he's putting up good numbers this year. He finally, it seems like offensively, he's finally fitting in with with what they've been trying to do. It's just that he can't play defense, and the defense is falling apart on this team. Haven't they been entertaining potential trades forever? Yeah, for yeah, the last several years. Hasn't um, this been the, like the hundredth time this season that they've aired out their dirty laundry in locker the rooms? Like seriously, though, like it's getting to the point where it's ridiculous. Like, what are you doing if you're the Cavs? You're just you're crumbling. Max, just let that go. Yes. I I don't. I'm not even going to acknowledge that. <laughs> I just don't want to acknowledge that. You're going to be awesome someday <laughs> with the dad jokes. There's so many to make here. I'm gonna, They've got I'm problems. Ignore them all. Uh, you said should they trade him? Yeah, I, I think if they can get a nice piece in return, just a draft um, pick, or what do they need? They need they obviously they need? need a big guy, but like. Anthony Davis no, they, was a rumor because, for a little bit, but and do that's they like, need a big guy in a trade back with Kevin uh, with Kevin Love? I mean, well, who they've are you got to start. They've the got Tristan the Thompson. Like, do they need a big guy to replace him? Here's, no. the, here's the answer to your question: You say what? What do they need? What they need is someone to make LeBron happy, because what they need is for LeBron not to leave in the offseason. That was my second. What they that need, was like one A to this thing is like what, the whole LeBron congratulating himself. Like one of my questions was like is his ego becoming too much for this team? Like No. 
Is it getting in the no. way at all? Like, do you think people like actually don't want to come and play with LeBron just because you see his outbursts on the sidelines? And you, like, I understand he's producing and he's the best player in the world right now, but no, he's getting to be a little too much for me. I think. I don't think just so. because Kyrie left is that why you're asking? No, the question? no, 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 no. Just because well, he's. I was going to go back to go back to what they need. They need to go back to July and not trade Kyrie Irving and tell him to get over it, like the Spurs did with Lamarcus Aldridge, because the Spurs had this like. Hey, get over yourself. We're not trading you. You're going to be here. And then signed him to an extension. And Lamarcus Aldridge has been freaking awesome right. this year. But Lamarcus so Aldridge. They, but why couldn't they do the same thing? Why couldn't the Cavaliers do the same thing? Because and I know the easy answer is because they don't have Greg Popovich. They've got Tyron Lue. But like they could have figured something out there. I don't and think I, so because Tyron Lue does not actually run the Cavs. It's LeBron James. Right. And if you're having so a LeBron dispute with has LeBron to have James, that sit down with him and go man to man and say, hey. Let's work this out. We've been to three finals in a row. Let's not screw it up. Come back. Be awesome. We'll go to the finals again. Here's the difference, though, with like LaMarcus Aldridge. It's not like Tim Duncan and LaMarcus Aldridge had a rift, and you were worried that if he stayed on the team that Tim Duncan was going to leave the next year. That is why they... They do whatever LeBron wants them to do. So there's a there's a problem between him and Kyrie. And I know Kyrie's the one that said, you know, get me out of here. But there obviously was a problem. It wasn't like LeBron was loving having Kyrie there. He insulted him time and time again, you know, backhanded compliments and yelling you know, at him, him the, on the well, sideline. The kid, yeah. and, you know, someday I'll give him the keys and like he's my son. And like, you know, just strange. That's analogies. what I'm talking about. Like, do you like LeBron's ego definitely becoming a little too much well, for people that's surrounding why him? I asked like, you, did you, did you ask the question because of Kyrie? Things went bad with Kyrie, they got rid of him. Kyrie also signed his mega deal not thinking or knowing that LeBron was going to be there. Right, but my point is is there was a rift between the two sides. But don't you think... Hang on. But uh, what I was going to say is don't you think came from day one? He signed that mega deal. He thought he was the man, and then, oh, all of a sudden, you signed the best player ever. Maybe he was unhappy from day one. But the fact that it got to the point where he couldn't be a point guard, there was obviously a rift between him and LeBron, and and it got to the point where they had to make a decision. It's either going to be Kyrie or LeBron. We know LeBron can leave at any time. So there's a problem here, fellas. All right, Kyrie, we'll grant you your wish. We're going to get something in return, and we're going to make this work. So you said, what do they need to do to get back You know, for Kevin Love? They need to find out what LeBron wants because this franchise is, is hinging on his decision this summer, right? The future of this franchise. They're not going to be an Eastern Conference title contender without LeBron James. Like Isaiah Thomas is a good player. Kevin Love, Tristan Thompson, like they're fine. They're not winning an NBA championship if LeBron James leaves. So they need to do whatever he says in order to stay relevant moving forward. End they'll of story. Be, they'll be better off than they were last time he left. If he were to of leave, of course, yeah, absolutely. But they still won't that be roster good. was garbage. That- it's terrible. Zadrunas Elgauskas was like the best player when he left. If he was even still on the team, team when he left, atrocious. it was a horrible. Antoine team. Jameson. Yeah, like it was horrible. It's I mean that's apples to oranges. The roster now compared to what it was right. back so, then. There's a difference between not competing for NBA titles and, and being the worst the team in the yeah. Eastern. I mean, you know, they're not going to be that. There, there is somewhere in the middle. They, they will be somewhere in the middle. Yes. Um, but their their future is contingent upon what LeBron James decides. So while this year is going south, and I don't want to say it's a lost season because they're still, what, the third third, best team in the Eastern Conference and they still have LeBron James and they still could turn it on in time. So I'm not saying this season is over, but they need to think big picture. And they have been thinking big big picture. Again, what... 
What are you going to get for him? I hate saying this, but it goes back to what does LeBron want? Right. Does LeBron want him on the roster? Right. And if he does, then you keep him. And if he doesn't want Kevin Love anymore, you get rid of him. And do you want a draft pick or do you, you know who do you want? Well, we're going to try to make this happen for you. I mean, right? I mean, there are yeah. there are a select few players in the league that that can do this. I think there's one. I think there's one. I think he's it. I think but that's Russell like my Westbrook, point. Is I think like, Russell Westbrook, to some degree, has that kind of pull in Oklahoma City. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, Maybe only because of how Durant left. Right. But yeah. But I think he, if he said, you know, listen, I stood by you guys. Like, I want this, this, and this. I think the Thunder would go out and try to get this, this, and this for yeah. for Russell Westbrook. I think there are a few players in the league like that. LeBron is certainly at the top of the list. I would not say Kevin Durant is one of those, just because the Warriors have proven they can win titles without him. Yeah. So no. that's he's off the list. But I'm not sure anybody on the Warriors rises to that level because that team is so, it's just that so roster good, top is so to good. bottom. Yeah. yeah, but that's my point. Is like my personal take on like LeBron is like yeah he's a fantastic player no doubt, but his ego I feel like just gets in the way of everything sometimes. He's such like a just a drama queen when it comes to all this. He'll just run to the media and start crying and pleading his case. Oh, you need to do this. You need to do that. It's like dude, like let the organization figure it out to a certain extent, and then they'll pass it by you. Like they obviously should go through LeBron. But he should not be on the sidelines yelling at his coach. He should not be congratulating himself for joining the thirty thousand point club before he joins it. Like that's a little cocky. Like I think you're overreacting. Just get over yourself a little bit. I don't care about that at all. Well, that's not my point. I'm just saying get over yourself a (laughs) little bit. You're not listening to what I'm saying. I'm saying get over yourself and let the let the somatics work themselves out. I think you're overreacting to this as well. Do you remember when Carmelo Anthony thanked himself for winning an ESPY? All the hard work that he put in. Do you remember? I don't know. You might be no. too At least young. he won the award before he thanked himself. He, he yeah, went to the podium. Everybody's thanking their coaches like, and teammates, and it was it was it was funny. It's like it was, cool, dude. Good he, for you. He like, went up there and he thanked himself for all the hard work that he put in after he won his first ESPY. It was funny. I don't have a problem. Like this, it's just, just annoying, to me Max. Because this it's just, just in. These guys have egos. This just in. No, I understand Shockingly. that, but it's like when it comes to the point where it's like you're complaining about your team not being good enough. You're also compl- you're congratulating yourself on personal milestones. It's like, what do you really want? Do you want what's best for the team, or do you want what's best in your best interest and for your own personal aren't they the, growth? Like, aren't they a lot one and the same? In a way? Arguably, I guess, but it's just like you need to like reach a point where it's like you need to sit down and be a team player instead of just thinking about yourself all no, the time. I think that, look, I think this has happened all throughout history of ba- particularly basketball where the best player gets their way, right? The best player wants to be traded, he's getting traded. The best player wants a coach change, they're getting the coach, they're, they're making a coaching change. The best player wants you to go out and trade for somebody, that's happening. And, and more so, I think, in basketball than any other sport, that's happened. And uh, you know what, LeBron James right now is not only the best player on his team; he's the best player in the world. And if that means that you have to cave to the, to him, if that means that you've got to go and and trade Kyrie Irving, a move that you don't want to make, and you get cents on the dollar for him, so be it. If that means that you have to fire David Blatt, who just took you to the finals and has you in first place midway through the season, so be it. Um, you make moves to um, make your stars happy, and he is not just your star; he is the star. And and I, I think that you do that. Well, one star that's not happy is uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo. He is very unhappy with the Milwaukee Bucks right now uh, with the firing of Jason Kidd. He was called, he actually called Jason Kidd 15 minutes before it was officially announced and heard, Jason Kidd heard from Giannis himself that he was going to be fired and was extremely upset trying to talk to the owner, offering to do that, offering to talk to his agent to prevent it from happening. Who looks worse in this situation? The organization for not talking to kid first, or does it look worse 
uh, that Giannis voiced such a strong opinion against it, and that's your star player for the next 10 years. I mean, this is all about the franchise, isn't it? Yes. I mean, the fact that they didn't have their star player on board is is bad enough. The fact that he is the one who broke it to his coach, I mean, that should not happen. Like, what's worse? Uh, well, the fact that Honestly, the star player had to break the news to the coach. Like, yeah. at least inform Jason Kidd that he's no longer your head coach. Don't let your star player give him the heads up. Um, it should be the star calling 15 minutes after, not 15 right. minutes before. I heard before. what happened, or you know, or they tell him <laughs> yeah. at the same time, like they tell Kid first and then Giannis right after, or again, I know you want to have your star player on board. He obviously wasn't, though, so if they informed Giannis first and said, we want to make sure we have your blessing, it, they, he didn't give yeah. him their ble- you know, his blessing. And then, and then how do they let him out of the room before they make the call so right. that this doesn't yeah. happen? Sit here for a second. <laughs> Wait five minutes. We gotta go handle some business. Um, uh, the the Bucks just botched this in in many ways. It is amazing awful. though that Jason Kidd, even as a coach, has managed to screw up his exit and like just managed to make messy situations worse. Like he did it as a player. He got Byron Scott fired. He he forced his way out of New Jersey. Uh, he he had issues in in Dallas and in in Phoenix. Uh, he he caused problems all throughout his coaching career caused issues right when he retired he was like i want to be a head coach one year in uh tried to get a power play and lost and moved on from brooklyn to milwaukee and his exit is is messy from milwaukee it's amazing how this stuff follows you you don't think much of jason kidd i think he's a great basketball player was best best net ever was uh, one more quick one before we get going. The Sunday Night Baseball crew for this season has been announced. It's Matt Vaskersian, Alex Rodriguez, Jessica Mendoza, and Buster only. Any thoughts on this? I love A-Rod's revival. This is fascinating to me. We are a very forgiving society. Nobody liked him two years ago. Everybody wanted him to go away, and now he's dating J-Lo and on two networks and lovable. How about Matt Vaskersian? Shark Tank? Former voice of the Syracuse Chiefs. He is. Got to shout out the Chiefs when you can. I know one I'm, listener would love I'm intri- it. I'm intrigued by this. I'm intrigued by this this booth. I mean, I like it, yeah. What's, also, not, A- what's not to like about it? Yeah, uh, according to reports, A-Rod, like, not only is he just the analyst, but, like, he wanted Matt Viscursion to be the play-by-play guy. So, like, not only has he rehabbed his image enough where people are like, oh, A-Rod's so funny on the set during the World Series. Like, he's got sway, which is interesting. And he's good. And he's good. And, you know... That lesson, it, it. Who would have thought? If I told you five years ago, if I told you five years ago, January of 2013, that we would be sitting here five years from now, and people in baseball would hate Derek Jeter and love A Rod, wouldn't have believed you. It's I don't inception. think anybody would have. It's Inception, like you said yesterday. But baseball. Yeah, we're in the dream world. Right? Yeah, you're in the dream world. It yeah. translates across all sports, though, right? If you're good, like we're talking about, LeBron, he gets to call the shots. A Rod, he's really good. He gets to call the shots. If you're good enough. You get some pull, and A-Rod's got some pull again. That was today's business brought to you by Grossman St. Amores CPAs. Located in downtown Syracuse, Grossman St. Amores CPAs provide businesses and individuals with tax planning, tax preparation services, and strategies to help minimize your tax liabilities. Learn more about how Grossman St. Amores CPAs can optimize the financial opportunities for your business online at gsacpas.com. We're back after this.